0: By popular demand, Place to Be Nation Wrestling returns to the dirty south for Talkin' WCW, an episodic wrestler showcase designed to educate, evaluate, and entertain. With matches spanning the intimate stage of Techwood Studios to the heights of Space Mountain, Talkin' WCW presents the best worst and most surreal offerings from world championship wrestling. So cast your gaze to the Turner Tron with hosts Jennifer Smith, Tim Capel, and Greg Phillips.
1: Hi, welcome to Talkin WCW. My name is Jennifer Smith. I'm here with the Triple H to my Vince man, Tim Capel. How you doing Tim?
0: Ooh, wow! Not not a great time of year to be Vince McMahon, is, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that you jumped in front of that bullet. Yeah, well, I'll do what I I'll, can. I'll um, I mean, heart attacks and and supposed retirements and all. Uh, I'll I'll take the the triple A sheet uh, tonight. Yep. But we've got um our our third um power. I you know I I guess I could say um uh nick Khan, but but let's not be sexist here that's uh mm-hmm. standing in for stephanie mcmahon in our third seat is going to be greg
2: phillips with us as I'll, always greg I'll, I'll take it i feel like i just grew
0: about
3: how are you my lovely
2: height. bride <laughs> <laughs> it's this you know our marriage is just as happy today as it was 20 years ago when we first met and oh i geez. feel i feel much taller suddenly i feel hmm. uh, i feel like i've got a power suit forming around me it's great oh yeah mm-hmm. You so turn super take hot, me. I will say. yeah, I, I, I am pretty hot. I always say yeah. that about myself. It's irresistible.
1: Just stare in the mirror. I would if I was, if I was her. Well, yeah. But, is that weird?
2: I mean, is, um, I, listen, Mr. Wonderful <laughs> Paul Orndorff had a little mirror in his locker room that he would stare at at all times and tell himself that he was Mr. Wonderful. Oh, he was oh, I'm Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. I'm Mr. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I am. Mr. Wonderful. So if he can do it, so can I. I agree. If Gary Spivey of the Psychic Friends Network can do it, so right. can I. <laughs> Gary Spivey.
0: If if uh Eddie Gilbert can call himself hot stuff, steps <laughs> through the ring. Oh, do I have North some Eddie 10? Gilbert
2: information for this
0: podcast? I
1: love. Yes. Yeah. We need to get yeah. into that.
2: On that note,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, whose pick was this? This, this was
2: this was, oh, oh. yeah. this was the great Greg Phillips's pick. This uh, was the great Greg Phillips's pick for our subject matter today, and uh, is I had stuff re- Eddie Gilbert.
1: Oh shit!
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I picked this subject today, uh, which is the great Muda, the Japanese, oh. the Pearl of the Orient, the Japanese oh, superstar, the great Muda, and I and I selected him. Because he is uh he is uh embarking upon what is purported to be his retirement tour. He's supposed to be retiring from wrestling next year and uh he's in the midst of uh starting his, his march to retirement. And so I thought what better time to celebrate I think unquestionably WCW's most uh, popular and successful uh Japanese wrestler, would that be fair to say? Wow. Yeah, I guess it is
0: fair to say. Um, remember when people were calling for him to retire in, like, 1999? <laughs> yes, because he, no <laughs> he had no knees. He had no knees. I guess he's found people some knees. Do call
1: for other people to retire? That seems weird.
0: Well, I mean, re- wrestling fans do, Jenny. But where do they um, call
1: it to? Like, on the Internet?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, They're not the afraid. Internet. The internet—they'll go to the papers outspoken. if they have to.
1: It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like right. you know that Muda should retire. Like,
2: yeah, 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 No, the, the internet was quite outspoken even in 1999. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it's uh, Especially it's just changed forms over the years. Yes, perhaps even more so, but right. uh, it's just changed changed uh, avenue over the ensuing 30 years. But nonetheless, 20 years, not 30. God, how old am I? I mean, uh, get there. Yes, yeah, so uh Muda has has engaged in quite a few uh career revivals since then. He shaved his head and you know, went by his real name Keiji Muto and had a nice little run there in uh, I believe All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um he, he's had a long and, and storied career, but he first made an impact on on an international level. Major international impact in WCW, in the NWA, if you will, as, uh, as the protege of one Gary Hart that mm. we haven't ever talked about on this show, I don't think, because he's only Probably. around for a, he's only around on TBS for a little while during that era, but, uh, he made quite an impact while he was there.
0: Yeah. And this is going to be in, in 1989 here, you get Gary Hart hooked up with Muda. Um, going to be the, the, Early, uh, early goings here of what's going to be known as the J-Tex Corporation, right? With yes. uh, you also get um, <laughs> the, the Dragon <laughs> the Master. Guys. Yes, the Dragon Master and Dragon Terry Funk Master. is in there for a minute. You get Buzz Sawyer, Buzz Sawyer, um, Dick Slater briefly. Yeah, Dick Slater. When you need a Terry Funk cosplayer, so you get yes. you know some <laughs> Texas guys and some Japanese guys, he's, and, he's, and there you, you put go. them together, and there you have it, yeah. J-Tex. Well, it wasn't the idea that um, Ric Flair or uh, um, James J. Dillon, like, sold the Horseman to – Hiro um, Matsuda, um, yes. Yes, Hiro Matsuda, the Japanese
2: – the evil Japanese. <laughs> yes, J.R. referred to as that evil, evil man, even though he had not done anything to that point to demonstrate
0: right. being evil. Right. The true evil J.R. is capitalism. Ever thought about that, pal?
3: Um
0: <laughs> So yeah. yeah, this was yeah. this was nineteen eighty nine, WCW in a nutshell, and Muda comes in, um, and the match that you picked, Greg, is gonna be is this his first match in at least on pay per view. Um, um but he, had he done anything on
2: T V prior to this? He, yeah, he had he had made his debut before this. Um so he came in uh, doing squash matches, and he had a, this incredible look that nobody had ever seen before. The mat, the, he wore this elaborate mask to the ring with this robe, yeah. and and he had the he took off the mask, and he had the painted face underneath, and he sprayed the mist. But he had his first major appearance was at the Clash earlier that year, where he debuted against a guy named Scott Casey and beat mm-hmm. him in a squash match. And he had done several TV squashes because they build up, they, they talk on commentary during this match about him being undefeated. Uh an undefeated wrestler who was challenging uh and I guess that's as good a time as any to introduce what this match is. My selection for our uh Great Muda episode was uh his first major pay per view match, his uh which is challenging Sting at Great American Bash nineteen eighty nine for the World Television Wrestling, Wrestling Championship of Wrestling. <laughs> and uh oh,
3: what now?
2: You can yeah, say belt now. We can say that again. You know. No, it's a, a belt holds up Sting's pants. It's a championship title, mm-hmm. uh, which is also a belt. And um, anyway, yeah. So that's the that's the match here. This was the, uh, the 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 first big giant test, if you will, for the Great Muda, and really Sting's first big test as TV champion because he had defended against the Iron Sheik, I think, at like Wrestle War or something like that, and uh, Mike Rotunda and guys like that. So you know, this was. This was two exciting, hot, young wrestlers battling at a time when either one of them could have believably won the match. So it was pretty exciting at the time. And, um, and as a little five-year-old stinger, I was certainly very excited about this match because I didn't know how anyone could beat the Great Muda because he had all these cool moves and could Sting overcome him. We'd have to see. Uh, but before the match starts... We get a little pre-match promo with uh, because uh, as we mentioned, the great Muda's manager is Gary Hart. And Gary Hart is a very nefarious, mm. bald, evil man who is satanic-looking. Uh, satanic-looking. He talks like he's from the inner city of Chicago, and he's just a he's just a, a very dangerous man, and, and and he's up to no good. So Sting needs somebody to counter him, and naturally to counter Gary Hart, Sting has the guy that broke him in to the to the to the mid South territory, the man known as Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert <laughs> coming down to, to be Sting's second. And Sting does a little promo before the match with, with Gordon Soley and he's uh he's fired up. Let me say first of all, before we get into the, the heart of this thing, I did not like this face paint on Sting. Oh, I didn't okay. like I didn't like the scorpion on the forehead. Mm-mm. It was off putting mm-hmm. I, I I I kept Thinking it was an actual scorpion, and it's like, well, that's a very what, what's he doing? And then, of course, it's not a real scorpion, but I just don't no. like the look of it.
1: I like this, I, I like things regular hmm.
2: face paint. Yeah. So that that pissed me off, and he does the promo, and 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 he just says, "I'm excited about wrestling this great challenge of the Mood or whatever." He walks off. Then Eddie Gilbert steps in, and I wanted to ask you guys something. I've been thinking about this since I watched this match earlier. Mm-hmm. Did you notice did you look at Eddie Gilbert's eyes? Did you notice yes. anything about his eyes? <laughs>
3: yes.
2: Um did you notice a little bit of perspiration on the face there? Yes. A little bit, yeah. You think there's a, a chance, just a chance now, <laughs> that Eddie Gilbert was three sheets to the wind in this promo? Are you suggesting he was on something? I'm sug- I don't want to cast aspersions on anybody. <laughs> I'm saying that I think there might be an opportun- a chance there. At least uh, there's a chance that he may have 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 imbibed in a substance or two before doing this interview. You're uh, saying the man was loaded for this interview. I'm saying the man was loaded. That's what that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I looked at his eyes and I was like, oh boy, he's 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 either he's either just nervous as all get out, or he has just been doing about a mound of cocaine before this interview started. And it's not like the interview is crazy or anything. It's just his eyes the whole time, I'm like, oh my God, Eddie, come on. Yeah. get it together, man. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I sort of had the same thought about Sting <laughs> because <laughs> he was very odd in this. And, uh like, he he's just kind of rambling about Muda, not really making a point or anything. And it, he twirls oh. off. Like, he literally just, like, twirls in a circle and goes off camera. And I'm like, what the hell was that, Sting? So, I don't mm. know. Eminetti might have been, you know
2: maybe they were imbibing in the same substance and gordon of course as we know gordon Soly just liked to drink all the time so he right. was you know gordon didn't know he he couldn't tell gordon was
1: uh, the most sober of the three
2: of the three yeah. and and so uh this sets the stage and again i apologize i never know where these pay per views are located i think this might have been in baltimore, baltimore. Is it is baltimore yes. uh-huh. so uh muda comes out, makes it the entrance first alongside Gary Hart, and again, he just looks so cool. He just, he looks like nothing that, again, I was five at the time, and he was like nothing I had ever seen before. No wrestler had ever looked like him that I had seen, and so the I loved face-painted wrestlers in general, big Ultimate Warrior fan, Sting fan, Road Warriors, all that, so automatically he was on my good list for that, and the spraying of the mist was awesome. He does that right before the match, and JR informs us that he's spraying the green mist, and of course, we know that there's also mm. the dangerous red mist, and the most yeah. dangerous of all, the, the yellow mist. The yellow mist, yeah. So, so anyway, that's awesome. Sting's music hits, that badass car salesman theme song that I love so much. <laughs> uh, car salesman uh, theme song. Still my, still my favorite theme song. You know, you hear it on those car commercials and stuff, but... Uh wow. <laughs> still my favorite Sting theme song. The, just amazing. He comes out, gets a monster pop, and Eddie mm-hmm. Gilbert's there too. And 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 nothing against Eddie Gilbert, but he just doesn't fit Sting's whole image or vibe at all. But uh, Sting gets this huge pop. He comes out. He's got the jacket. He's excited. He's got the belt. It's a two-ring setup because there's a War Games match at this pay-per-view later on. So it's a two-ring setup. So Muda and Gary Harder in one ring. Eddie and Sting are in the other ring, and they're all arguing with each other, trying to get in the same ring. And finally, Sting just says, fuck it, and runs and jumps over (laughs) both sets of top ropes and on top of Muda into ring number two. Awesome spot. Quite honestly, that's the spot I remember most from this match. It's one of my favorite childhood wrestling memories, legitimately. That's, That's one of the things that made me... Like the diehard Sting fan that I was as a kid was this image because it was like he came off like I, – I, it's hard to describe because nowadays you see wrestlers do feats of athleticism like this all the time and make it look like nothing. But at that time, you didn't see anything like this. A dude just clear the top ropes of two rings like that. It was such a feat of athleticism. It was like superheroic in nature. And uh, anyway, awesome start to this match. And they just start going balls to the wall with the high spots. Uh, up and down, uh, press slams. Muda, go, Muda hits him uh, with a backbreaker and tries to go and hits the uh, handspring elbow, which is one of his signature moves that he does better than yeah. anybody that's done it since. And then he goes up for the moonsault. Sting moves. He lands on his feet, and then Sting catches him with a clothesline out of the corner, uh, if memory serves. And uh, j- the agility of Muda here to land on his feet from the moonsault, again, we had never seen anything like that in 1989. Somebody that A did a moonsault and B did it and landed on his feet off the top rope. Mm-hmm. Incredible shit. Okay. So anyway, uh they, they they engage in a lot of high spots at this point. Uh they trade dives. Uh Sting dives onto him. Muda dives onto Sting. Uh Gary Hart makes his presence known a little bit. There's a spot where I think I think Muda might have been out of position, but I'm not hundred percent sure where Sting looked like he was gonna do a dive over the top. But then saw Muta was too far away, so he lands on his feet and just punches him on the outside. And uh, yeah. they uh, they get in there. Muta takes the heat. He he takes control on Sting and grinds him down with uh, with uh, various holds and putting him you know putting him in a bad position and wearing him down a little bit. Looks like Muta's got control. Sting bounces back. Uh, another press slam hits him with the the drop kicks, the explosive it really felt like this the story of this match was a game of one upsmanship. Anything you can do, I can do better. Every time one of them does something, the other one comes back and tries to do something a little bit better. Whether it be a drop kick, you know, Muda does those spinning martial arts kicks. Uh he throws the it's JR calls them judo chops.
3: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which my friend Jeremy would always chastise me in college for the fact that there are no chops in judo, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, so uh, Muda is atta- attacking Sting with his judo offense, and uh, and Sting will come back with his drop kicks and his, his as JR puts it, good old American offense
3: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, hits him with flying clothesline and just athletic showcase here for both guys. Uh, they, they slow it down for a while, and then they get ready for the uh, – for the, the the closing stretch and the biggest surprise of this match to me, which I didn't remember actually, was Muda goes to spray the, the red poison mist at Sting. Sting ducks and it hits the referee, who may have been Nick Patrick, but I can't remember. Yes, uh, and uh, uh, the, the the red mist disables him and, and it sends him outside the ring. And and uh, at this point, you would think, well, this is where Sting's going to get the visual pinfall, right? Because he's a babyface. No, quite the opposite. Muda takes advantage on Sting lays him out with a snapmare, hits the moonsault, and has him down for a three count. But by the time Tommy Young, the replacement referee, slides in, he counts one, two, and Sting kicks out, and the pop is huge. And they've got him. They've got the crowd hook, line, and sinker. The crowd just knows that Sting's going to make his big comeback now. But uh, it, they, they wrestle for a second, and then Sting catches him in a, uh, in a belly-to-back suplex, bridges up, and there's a one, a two, and a three from Tommy Young, and Sting seems to have won the match clean, right? Well, not exactly, because here comes uh, Nick Patrick, even though he can't see anything because his eyes <laughs> have been burned with red poison mist, and he's waving it off. And we don't know what it means, and neither are the commentators, because apparently it's not explained to them. And uh, even though Sting and Eddie Gilbert are celebrating with the title, Gary Hart takes the title away from Sting and hands it to Muda, and they start celebrating and they walk off and the fans start chanting bullshit bullshit and Sting looks confused and Eddie looks confused and Tommy Young looks confused and JR sounds confused <laughs> so there's like, there's a controversy here and then JR says well maybe both of their shoulders were down on the mat and they show the replay and not only were not only were were both their shoulders not on the mat neither of their shoulders were on the mat
3: because
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Buddha got his right shoulder up before the 3 count Sting never had his shoulders on the mat so i don't know what they were going for with that finish exactly but yeah. What I do remember is that this led to the television title being held up and Muda and Sting having a series of matches uh, at house shows, et cetera, for it. And then they had a television match on a show that is not available on Peacock, which I understand that Tim will address that very soon. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, uh, a show that is not available on Peacock known as the WCW, as I knew it, Par R, as Jim Ross would call Par-R. it, or as the, oh. the Power Hour, as it was known. And uh, this is actually the first time that I got to see Sting and Muda wrestle was on the Power Hour where Muda won the TV title, beat Sting in controversial fashion, and um, became the TV champion. But anyway, right now they have a controversial finish, but the match itself I maintain is a badass match. It was a showcase for both guys. It was their first big match against each other of what would be many in the future. And I, I I was I loved it. It brought me back to childhood. Glad I picked this match. And I think it kind of got us off to a good start on showing what, what the great Muda's story was all about in WCW.
0: Yeah, um I was glad you picked this too. I think it's a good representative match for Muda and WCW. Um I've always had somewhat mixed feelings on this one. Just I I think it's a very exciting, very watchable match. Um, certainly there's, there's no dull moments, but there's some, certainly some awkward spots that I don't know if I put that down to sting kind of not just, just not being used to working with a guy like Muda, Mm -hmm. um, and being really like kind of out of his element. Um, or if that's really a case of Muda's sort of adapting more to this, American, you know, southern wrestling style of WCW still here in, in the late 80s. But, um, they, they definitely had some points where you could tell, um, there were some like major miscommunications. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the dive,
2: the dive spot comes to mind because I was like, oh, this thing's about to uh-huh. splat. But then he just, he he count he kind of changes his motion in midair and lands on his feet. But, but I was like, at, at least, least he's about they did the-
0: correct course. They had enough. Right. Um, presence of mind to be like, well that's not gonna work. Let me adjust even though it's not gonna be as visually stunning. Like I'm not gonna look like a total idiot. Um or a deer caught in the headlights, which they do at one point. Yeah, but yeah. there's there's not too too much of that. Um speaking of the sting dive, uh I think we've talked about this before, Greg Phillips. You know what he credited his great vertical leaping uh ability to um that that would be the Sting ass. The Sting, so, ass. the Sting ass. That's where ass. all
1: the yep. power comes that's, from. That's what the
2: generates ass. the power. One yeah. of, and, and we can say with that that's true because he was a semifinalist in the in the famous ass off tournament of about the ten years tournament. Ago. <laughs>
0: yeah, of rspwfa2.logjournal.com, um, and you know Sting uh certainly. Uh, has sting ass. I mean, that's that's who it's named for. And and you, I guess you could call sting a power bottom. He has a power bottom. <laughs> yes, uh, true. So that's that's what the 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 glutes. And all all that power is generated from the glutes.
2: Um, so he to it's, see it, that. It's it's amazing display. because he has sting ass, but it's not like the it's not like what I call the Doctor Death diaper ass. No, know? it's not diaper ass. No,
0: definitely. Right. Um. So I enjoyed that, certainly. But, I don't know, this this match to me is sort of a microcosm of this 1989 Great American Bash as a whole, in that I find it a little bit overrated. Um, really? I know people really, really talk up this pay-per-view. like In terms of, like, this is some people's just all-time, not even just WCW, but wrestling pay-per-views. And I look at it, and I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Outside of the main event, which legitimately is one of the best WCW matches ever, um, the tag between uh Midnight and uh Fantastics, which we've talked about mm-hmm. on this past episode of this show. Everything. No, else that, I don't kinda... think that's on.
2: I don't think that's on GAB eighty nine because I think the Midnight. Oh, you're right. That's on, that's, match, on 88. Yeah. that's on eighty eight. That's yeah. on eighty eight. So it's eighty nine is the War
0: Games match with Midnight's and a bunch you're of War right. People. You're right. So it doesn't even have that match. Fuck me. Um <laughs>
3: but Steamboat we have Luger,
0: talk, I think. We have talked about Steamboat Luger, which is on here. And again, I, I think is a good match, not a blowaway. Um it has one of the weaker war games matches, does this yeah. eighty nine show? Yeah. And so I mean, not to say it's bad by any means. It's just the way that people talk about it. I'm I'm like, really? Um but at the same time I also get that you have a talent like the great Muda, who nobody had ever seen before in the United States. No one had ever seen, like, two-thirds of the moves that he does. You know, a handspring, back elbow, that's like, what? What is this? <laughs> um, the moonsault, again, in, in uh, WCW in 1989. Nobody's going to be doing that. Um, and, I mean, that that's not even half of his arsenal, really. Like, we don't see in this match the Muda lock, which is – a crazy amazing cool looking submission um just a lot of that stuff that he does he he does get a good bit of his shit in here in this match I feel like but he he doesn't totally unload the tank um so while while I do again like the match I do find it a bit overrated and I
2: hate the finish I really hate it um the fin- the finish didn't work uh the way that it was intended to because yeah they, I understand. I think I know what they were. I think they were trying to do the both shoulder, all four shoulders on the mat finish. Yeah, and then right. either guy got the memo. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't. But I, it didn't work. It wasn't explained well. Um, they just should have had Sting beat him, honestly, and had a rematch afterwards right. if they wanted to. But.
0: It, I mean, Sting also kind of—I won't say he kills the moonsault, but the fact that he does kick out. I know there was a delayed count and stuff with those. I also felt like Tommy Young
2: slid in too soon.
0: On yeah, because yeah.
2: I, I maybe I, maybe that's the the WWE that's beating that into me, but I feel like they need the Earl Hebner like incredibly long delay before sliding in to do the, <laughs> the the false finish, so to speak. So I didn't have a problem with Sting kicking out there. It's just I think the timing of it was just a little bit messed up by
0: somebody at ringside. Right. I mean, if he's going to connect with the move, which it looks beautiful when he, I mean, he flies. Oh, yeah, it's the, best moon, it's the ring. best
2: moonsault to me. That and Kurt Angles are the two best moonsaults I mean, that I've seen in wrestling, I think. Yeah, which is kind of crazy.
0: <laughs> um, But, you know, it's, it's uh, I think the, maybe the story of this match, which you talked about as well, Greg, it's like, Muda being, trying to be the better version of, of what Sting has been for a couple of years now, where right. he's, he's that very flashy, eye-catching wrestler, but Muda wants to prove that, that he can hang as like a, a fundamentalist more so than, than Sting, for example, who, you know, the, the, maybe the criticism at the time is, well, you know, he, he can rattle off all these, these sweet moves, but, can Kenny he, can he chain wrestle, you know mm-hmm. and um and I think that's why he's had so many matches with Ric Flair up to this point because they love telling that story right they love challenging mm-hmm. sting to to go to the mat with a guy like flair, and uh you know it's only nineteen eighty nine here um but when you bring in muda and it's you know he he does have the basics down and and kind of um. Shows off in in ways that Sting does not.
2: Um, it's it's a compelling it's a compelling piece of psychology. After all, he is, as Gary Michael Capetta reminds us, the pearl of the Orient. <laughs> yes, very much. But one thing about Muda, you mentioned you mentioned that he goes through like uh, he doesn't even display three quarters of his arsenal or what have you. One of the things about Muda that's so cool that I found throughout all three of our matches, just any time you watch Muda, that instantly. Because I think about it, I was like, I'm trying to bring myself back to my childhood and why I loved the Great Muda so much as a kid. And, yes, it was the face paint and all the stuff that I mentioned before, the look and the moves and all that stuff. But it's not just that because there were other guys that did cool moves. and There were other guys that had face paint in that era. And other than Sting, none of them were, like, my absolute favorite other than him and the Warrior. And then I realized it's because, like, I've always been a fan of wrestlers that make themselves different in – little ways. And with Muda, it's the way his body language. Nobody moves like the great Muda. Nobody walks like the great Muda. Nobody does the little like, you know, pose that he does after he hits his big spin kick or something, you know, like it's he just his his body language is so interesting when he delivers an elbow drop. It's not. It's not a regular elbow drop. It's that power drive elbow He's where got he shakes. That snap his, on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he shakes. His, it reminds me a lot of why I became a fan of Shinsuke Nakamura when he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling about ten years ago, because no, I had never seen anybody move like him in wrestling, and maybe the only guy that I had that was close was Muda when I was a kid, and that's that's kind of what he has. Even in this match, early on in his WWE career, he just. He walks and moves in a way that nobody else does. You know, think of someone like Jake Roberts, who, even though he didn't do a lot of moves, the way that he sort of mm. slithered into the ring and the mm-hmm. way he would pull himself mm-hmm. up from the ropes, he, he made himself different with the way that he moved and the way that he acted. Randy Orton does that. Mm-hmm. I, I always love wrestlers like that, and I just wanted to point that out. I think that's one of the things that made Muda stand out to the WCW audience, um, to the point where. I think a very, you know, we're not, we I didn't necessarily pick some of these matches, but by the end of that year, by the end of 1989, you could make a strong case that he probably should have been turned babyface and given a big push, but it was not to be. Yeah, I think he could have gotten over easily as a face.
1: So, um, my, I think the first time I saw Muda was actually, um, I, well, it was at MSG at that show that we went that we went to and I was I fell asleep, um during Oh god, that show. Yeah, that show. Um, oh just a few and, years ago.
3: Okay. Yeah, in twenty
1: nineteen. And you know, I didn't I was a very young wrestling fan and that uh I, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't get it at that time. Well, this is
0: not to say Muda put you to sleep. It's just that no, show, no. you were pretty yeah. much cooked by the yeah. time.
1: That show was, I mean, MSG is great, but like, it was just, yeah. um, a lot. So anyway, so whenever you picked him, Greg, I, that was, you know, my, <laughs> my memory. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this will be fun. And I actually really got into him. And, um, I wondered list. if
2: you had ever seen him before, before we did the, this episode
1: not really no um just just that one
2: time. in theory
1: <laughs> yeah theory I was present for that but and that body language thing that you just uh, talked about Greg is what what stood out for me and i do agree with him like there's a lot of the miscues and the i don't know it's like a language barrier that shouldn't exist in the ring but sort of does you know mm-hmm. like um it 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 definitely affected them but Muta never really—he never let it shake him. You know, there was never like you could see them working it and trying to. They did a good job at fixing what they would do wrong, but um, that sometimes it, it takes the steam out of a match or it, it it distracts you. But you could see him learning and adjusting during the match, mm-hmm. um, and Sting too. Sting was doing the same thing, so I really thought it was interesting to watch. Um, them learn each other and how confident Muda was. And because, I mean, the crowd's, you know, so hot for singing. um, Nobody's really cheering Muda at this point. So it was impressive to me that he was classy all the way through the match.
2: And um, to your point of them learning each other, this would sort of be the first of what would be many, many times they'd wrestle on mm-hmm. TV or on uh in Japan or what have you over the years and they became very, very uh good opponents for each other. Yeah. Um
1: the just the, the cool high spots that you guys called out, like the that super sweet high cross body uh on thing onto the floor, um kind of reciprocating the dive that Muda took out to start Mm -hmm. the match, which was awesome. I was like, I've never really been a big Sting fan, but I mean, more of a Sting fan than I was before we started the show, but you know, that was, that was hot. Like I was like, okay, Sting, I see you. (laughs) Um, it was, like you said, we don't normally see that sort of thing in this era. And, but also there are things like that long ab stretch in there and it's, I don't mind it, but it's it's sort of you could see them trying to find a way to the next spot you know mm-hmm. using the, using it so um, I like him using the the red spray. What is that? What do they use for spray? Is it like water and food coloring? Is it
2: I'm not sure actually <laughs> <laughs> it's kind uh, of embarrassing. Probably. Probably yeah. just water, food, food color. I, I think, would think I so, but, but I, I, I don't cause I, I don't know how he, how he loads it either, cause yeah. he always did that thing where he would like poke himself in the throat or whatever, but I don't know if that was legit or if he just, I don't know, I don't know, cause he would sometimes spray multiple different colors, colors during the
1: course yeah. of one match.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's amazing to me. I kind of you know, don't want It, it
0: might be the old, um, the old Ken Shamrock blood condom. Ooh. Remember you uh, you fill a fill a condom up with your preferred fluid of choice. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so bite down on that and you're good to go.
1: Uh, Kinky, Will, huh? I don't know how you wrestle with a condom in your mouth. Almost well,
0: weird. not the whole match. I mean, you've got it kind of stashed. Maybe the ref hands it to you at some okay. point, or you've when got you're Ken it, Shamrock, it your you can throat. wrestle with anything in your mouth. Yeah. Oh, boy. Totally. <laughs>
1: uh so you know it was i would say it tended to be like you know good i enjoyed it like you said very watchable um tim um the ending though oh boy um yeah it is just more of that like that miscommunication not knowing for sure somebody said something wrong when we were planning this match or i don't know but um but, you know, it's a means to an end, really, I guess, to get a series of matches out of them. So, can't really yeah, do much.
0: It, it, that's the thing. I, I'm not opposed to doing a controversial finish where they, where the object is to hold the belt up. Sorry, Greg, the belt. Um, <laughs> God damn it, pal. Oh,
3: yeah,
0: so that they can, so that they can do a series of rematches. Like, that's fine. But the way they went about it, it felt more like, well, this is the way you you would set up a Nick Patrick heel turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is he, he going to do a crooked referee gimmick now? Because mm-hmm. this blind son of a bitch comes back in the ring
3: <laughs> and he makes a, all a young bad
0: age? call. I mean, a bad call that the camera, I mean, Sting's, yeah. th- there's like no question. Sting is arching, yes. bridging off the, the mat. Like, it's you, you can't even. And Buddha
1: gets his shoulder up.
0: And Muda sure. then gets one of his shoulders up before the yep. – so it's like in no <laughs> way, shape this or form. It's just shitty officiating this,
2: all around. Yeah. It, it is, yeah.
3: It's well, and so here's like, the other
2: thing, just as relevant, that's why I wonder if what the finish was supposed to be, if it was even supposed to be what we're talking about because – now, far be it from them to ever repeat finishes, but they had just done that exact finish – uh, at the clash between Flair and Steamboat a few months prior. Do you remember? Because mm, the true. back suplex, yeah. both guys' shoulders were down, mm. and at the last second, Steamboat gets his shoulder up, but it looks like both their shoulders are down, or what have you. It's controversial, and it's used <laughs> to set up another rematch. So, like, would they really have done that same exact finish on pay-per-view that soon, that close to that one? Maybe so. Right. But if so, they did not accomplish their goal.
1: Mm. Well... Thank God. Quick Thank
3: word God. about,
2: quick
0: word about face paint. Sorry. No, go um, ahead. I'm not a fan of the, the stings design here. I, the sting. I'm not a, f- <laughs> the stinger. Right. The WCW and <laughs> the SummerSlam. The I, I don't like that scorpion on the forehead thing either any more than you do, Greg. I do admire, however, that both guys with their face paint matched it tone for tone to their attire. It's which true. Which, I, in Muda's case, it seems like it wouldn't be too terribly difficult. But Sting, I mean, he had some pretty distinct colors going on with with yeah. the orange and the and the and the uh, sort of teal. Um, like you gotta find. I mean, how do you match? How do you find face paint that's gonna? I mean, he's got to do some extensive mixing, perhaps to uh, <laughs> maybe Eddie to, Gilbert yeah, has to help
3: him <laughs> take
0: some darker colors. Yeah, that's that's what they're. Spending all their time in the back doing that. Much more yeah. wholesome. Man.
2: That's why their it's eyes the
0: are messed up. They were huffing paint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. That's it. Okay. That explains it.
1: I, I like it. But that's a great point, though. It did match pretty exact. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's difficult. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, especially with the lighting and cameras and all that. Yeah.
2: You don't know how that's going to
0: look so on TV. so weird.
1: Uh,
2: and you know, interestingly, I didn't even think about that, but I don't recall Sting's face paint chipping off in this match like it sometimes does in other matches. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, did, he's, um,
1: yeah. it did for both. He's
2: pretty that's well true. attacked. It's not like when he wrestled Vader and it was like pretty much all off of his face <laughs> by the end of the match. Well, right. it's
1: Vader. Yeah.
2: <laughs> true. <laughs> when a guy is full on hitting you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you
3: know,
0: it tends to fall for off. 30 minutes, it's <laughs> yeah. probably going to do it.
1: God, I love Vader so much. Okay. (laughs) I was just imagining him. As
2: as an aside, have you guys listened to Mick Foley's podcast? He has a lot of great Vader stories.
1: Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I need to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think my pick is up next. And so you can't find this one on the Peacock, um, Tim, but you can find it on YouTube. and. It is Ric Flair versus the Great Muda from 11-18 of 89 on the WCW the WCW show that came on on Saturdays on TBS. It's World, World, World Championship Wrestling. World Championship
0: yeah. Wrestling. And here's the thing. When you picked it, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, Peacock's got all those on there. Because I remember watching a lot of those World Championship Wrestling's from 89. And I was scrolling on down, and just inexplicably it stops. Um <laughs> <laughs> sort of like in that summer, kind of at the end of the summer, I feel like. I'm like, man, what the hell? So I kind of got half hot about it. Because mm. um, I know like, kind of my whole thing with this podcast, not hot at you, Jenny, um, but just the situation, because uh my whole approach or philosophy to doing this podcast has been let's make it as accessible to people as possible, so mm-hmm. let's try to stick to um, what's actually available on WWE network now peacock, which hasn't been too much of a strain for us, I feel like. Um, Mm-mm. but when I get to something like this, that this should not only be on the fucking network slash peacock, it should have been on there five fucking years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I understand we're not getting these classic content drops with the, with the regularity that we used to, but they're not even like drip feeding it really. Like we don't even have any expectation that it will ever appear there. So I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, you know what, when it comes to this type of shit, look, I understand not every single random syndicated B show in the world is, (laughs) is going to be like, okay. Yeah. We're not going to find WCW pro or worldwide or power hour or main event or all those random acts. Like, Kind of asking a lot to say that they should be on the network by now. I get that. But for something like this, come the fuck on, people. We've been giving you, we've been giving you those our $10 for what, eight years now? Yeah. Now, now potentially $6. I get it. Yeah. It's down to, uh, you know, the, the peacock discount. I understand, but it's like, I'm just tired of it. I'm fucking tired of it, man. So.
2: Enough I is think enough, there's a middle ground. for change
0: it is it is time for a change so I hereby declare we're opening up the field you know <laughs> if it's not on peacock but it's a match you all want to talk about on this show let's just do it and that's right. just like too far out <laughs> too far out there in terms of well you you have to make sure you go to this private server and, and talk to right, this guy and know this if you log into in your daily in. motion
2: account it's yeah and send a private and it's, message you can have it DM to your folder. And it's, uh,
0: you know, make sure you know this person who will let you get in
2: good with, like, no. But if, and it's, if you get if all it's that on, done, you get to see Brad Armstrong take on Steve Armstrong <laughs> in a five-minute match on WCW Pro. And, and
0: I'm not trying My to dog God. that. I I understand that stuff is out there. It serves its purpose. Um, and then it's very important to things like a, a chrono podcast, which this mm-hmm. show is not, but – I mean, if it's at least out on YouTube, Daily Motion, what have you, it's it's fair game as far as I'm concerned. Now, that, there's got to be a middle ground between it's not on Peacock and it should be, or we have to, you know, overturn every stone on earth to find mm. the damn thing. Right. Well, I mean,
1: I mean YouTube is, you know. Even more accessible than
3: Peacock. It is, yeah. It,
0: in a lot of ways, it sure is, yeah. yeah.
1: So all you, you know. got to do
0: is search for the match; it's right there. Yeah. Probably not going anywhere. Look, there's no guarantee. Even if the shit comes off of YouTube, there's no guarantee it's going to stay on Peacock. Even if it is there, we've yeah. seen content go away for, between upgrades on the old network and migration to Peacock. Remember hidden gems? Well, yep. can't find yeah, them. That's now. all we can
2: do is remember them because
0: they're not there now.
3: <laughs> yeah. unless, unless
2: unless you have a VPN, I understand it, then you can still Right. Mm-hmm. But but that's the other thing also. Also, from what I understand, I'm no businessist, but <laughs> as I understand <laughs> yeah. it, as I understand <clears throat> it, their their streaming deal comes to an end at the end of next year. So so what or 2024 whenever it is, eventually it will run out is what I'm getting at. And then yeah. what happens? What if somebody, what if what if ESPN or or I don't know. What are the other, what if what, Disney buys mm-hmm. the WWE content or whatever? And then they have to take it all off of Peacock, right. redo it, mm-hmm. and then migrate it all onto this other oh, streaming Jesus. platform. Who I knows know. what we'll yeah. lose in that conversion? God, so. They might I'm decide just... WCW is too much wrestling content for them to have on. Exactly.
0: Now I'm impressed. Thanks. Well, and the, uh, and the thing, it's not to say that, um, you know, the, oh the network sucks, I hate Peacock. No, oh, no. This is the worst thing. It's still a great resource. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. It's just I, I I'm tired of not finding things that just should be on there by now. Like I, I just feel don't like and I feel like I feel like
2: if it were still the network, we probably would have had it by now. But the fact that mm-hmm. they put all their resources into Peacock, NBC doesn't care. What are they or even if they told us,
0: it's going to take forever, but we'll get there. Here's sort yeah. of our our schedule as far as you know. Once a month, we'll give you five episodes of WCW Saturday Night. <laughs> I want we'll to be able to relive five entire, episodes of Sunday Night Heat. You know, <laughs> l- l-
2: listen, John Peacock at, at at you know NBC Studios. I want to be able to live out the entire two or three year Armstrong family curse storyline on WCW Saturday Night. <laughs> There you go. I want the Back Booty Man's debut. I want
0: I want stuff be like patient. that. Yeah, I can be patient, but just tell me it's gonna happen, and I just exactly. don't have any confidence. I don't have any we're, confidence. We're, think
2: about right. it: if we do a if we do a Barry Hole in One Darso episode, we're not gonna have anything. none
0: of it. <laughs> nothing. Done. Nothing. None of it. So, I'm sorry, right. Jenny. I didn't mean to. No, I was just waiting for bench. your
1: promo to be done. Um Matt's going to be very uncomfortable when he listens to <laughs> this.
0: Sorry, Matt Caesar. I know you don't um, like when I got friends. <laughs> uh, so. i not directed at you.
1: We have Jim Ross and my favorite, Kevin Sullivan. Um, oh, yeah. On this is content.
3: weird. Yeah. Kevin on.
1: It's very weird. Like a you, you couldn't get
2: – you could not get two different accents on commentary.
0: I know.
1: It's great. <laughs> they man. are Kevin Sullivan. Hello. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. this This is from what November 28th. I think I had written down. I
1: had 18th. Hopefully, oh. just same match.
0: I think Anyway, it it's the, great. I, great movie sure. versus Ric Flair. Just search for oh, it. Oh, I,
2: I think you're. I think you're both right. I think it was taped on the 18th and aired on the 28th. Ah. Oh,
0: okay. okay. Fair enough. Fair okay. enough. It's oh. the only singles match of any length between these two, so you'll you'll know it when mm-hmm. you see it.
1: And where do they film these?
0: Like army, uh, uh well I think this was back in the uh Center Stage
1: days. I was thinking probably. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, they the might have I'm been be at
0: bad. Techwood. They might have been at Techwood Drive, but I don't know in 89 if that would have been the case. I think that was more in the 90s. Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, I, I think era. it is
2: Center Stage actually. Where mm-hmm. they're, where they're at.
1: Um the crowd is hot, especially for Flair and his powder blue mm-hmm. um muda sprays green this time, which looks cool, and then Flair answers with a woo. <laughs> which that was, was good. awesome It was really good <laughs> um and and that kind of tells you what we're gonna be dealing with because they're it's it's a constant battle in this whole match. um they feel each other out for a bit, um a little bit cautious. Flair attacks the arm as Kevin talks about um Gary Gary? Yeah, Gary Hart getting Muda in the gym to work on the American style of wrestling. Flair rolls out to the outside to fuck with Hart a little bit and Muda climbs the ropes there in the corner to the top. And I thought he was gonna just fly off on Ric Flair and like it looked like he wanted to, but he sort of backs off. Um Flair circles the ring.
2: Maybe Rick wasn't quite ready for that high of a spot. He,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he wanted to fly and Rick was like, No. Um so he kind of walks around um uh the ring, rolls back in. Oh, uh and Moon just keeps his eyes on Flair the whole time, you know, like as he's walking around the ring. Mm. So he's he he's really sizing him up and studying him a lot. Um, climbs back in Uh goes for the figure four pretty much immediately, but Muda scrambles away, grabs the bottom rope, uh, and then sort of flips out of the ring to the floor and circles the ring like Flair just did, right? While Flair mouths off at him at Mm. him and Hart. Uh, Flair gets Muda back on the mat uh, and starts going after the arm. As JR, JR talks about Rick's year-round cardio and how impressive it is, um, and there's no off-season uh, in wrestling, so got to be in tip-top shape. They grapple for a bit. It looks good. Um, like, Muda is trying to, like, really be smart here and and stay on top of Flair and not let him um, sort of, Take over on him. So he does a good job at it, I thought. Um, he goes to the mat and starts working on Flair's leg. Kevin talks about, that's not smart. <laughs> you should probably not <laughs> do that. Um, you should be f- high flying, right? That's, that's the kind of wrestler you are. Why are you not jumping on Ric Flair? But he's, he's gonna work the mat with Ric Flair, which is impressive. And, yep. uh, Muta grabs, twists the ankle, and Flair is Struggling to keep his mat uh, his shoulders off the mat, and then he kind of maneuvers him into this one leg Boston crab um one of Kevin's favorite moves as he says and then transitions that into like i th- I don't know if this is the Moodalock. lock is this
0: that's the Moodle lock okay. yep. that's the Moodle lock it's, I didn't know that, that inverted like STF yep. But they
1: didn't call it that but it was amazing it was fucking awesome. I was, I was stood up. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Um, because he bridges and grabs that face lock and then just holds mm-hmm. him um, and got that leg wrapped up. Oh, I was flipping out and he holds it for a while. Um, the ref is making Flair pick up his arm, you know, and Flair's, you know, he's, str- he's struggling, but he's not giving up. It looks so cool. I lost my mind. Um,
0: the only mo- the only move that's even cooler than that, this is what I really drop trial for, and you never see it anymore these days, Greg. You might remember kind of back in the nineties. Um start with a, a Moodle lock, so you get the bridge uh inverted STF. The attacker then rolls over onto his stomach mm-hmm. so that he's got the dude in like a suspended I and mean, it's like a bow and arrow type position. Over. The, the, the other guy's on,
2: the other guy's on top of him and the guy's face uh-huh. down um, whole, stretching his neck.
0: Yeah, Right. Still with the, the legs. That bad. always looked really sick.
1: I love it. Um, and the camera is perfect. It gets an amazing shot of their faces side by side Muda's upside down and Flair just struggling. It was, it was beautiful. And then if that's not enough, Flair's legs still wrapped up. Muda rolls over into his back, puts Flair up on his legs and stretches them across. I was like, Ah (laughs) And he just holds it and it looks tight, you know, and it's like controlled. Flair I don't know why he wasn't like slapping Muda in the face, you know, trying to poke his eyes. Like it he he was working the hold more than he was trying to escape the hold, which was good. It makes Muda look insane. Um totally worked. Um It looks so awesome. Uh, commentary, I feel like, didn't sell it as much as I thought they should. And, I mean, they, they sort of popped for it, but it just, I don't know. It felt a little subdued for me. It I'm
2: may sure. not it may not have been established yet as, like, one of his signature holds. Because, you know, it did become the, 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 that's literally what it's known in wrestling as, the Moodle Lock. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe he had not yet established that. Uh, that may right, be one of the people. first times. I'm not sure. I couldn't say mm-hmm. for sure because I haven't watched yeah. enough of his '89 stuff recently. But I know he didn't do it in sting match.
1: Well, because Kevin, and as you know, Muda is doing this amazing thing, and Kevin's like, "Yeah, Gary Hart is determined to make Flair tap out and give up and quit." I'm like, "Fuck a Gary Hart! Look at Muda! Like, shut the fuck up!" So I swear to
2: <laughs> I believe you mean Gary Hart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Muda pulls him back and continues working on that leg, manhandles um, Flair pretty good, um, breaks his eyes, presses his legs up again, um, sort of like facing him, got his legs all wrapped up and just sort of leaning on Flair, making Flair pick up his his body, his, his shoulders off the mat. Um, they slide to the outside. Muda grabs a bag, a sandbag, something crazy on on the side there, and just fucking throws it at, at Rick, who is kind of draped across the apron. This is when this careful sort of back and forth, like grappling submission match, sort of snaps. And after Muda uh, throws the bag at him, because then they just start tearing in into each other on mm. the side. Um, lots of vicious punches, chops. On the floor they just sort of knock each other down um they get back in the ring you do the more chops you know, this is where flair kind of settles in with his punches um his comeback uh big in inverted atomic drop on muda and then more chops and punches um flair kind of gives muda some of his leg work back to him um mood is pretty good at selling for flair too i mean nobody sells like flair but he, you know, he, he hangs with yeah. him. He, he, I think he he makes Flair look, you know, even better.
2: JR says that Flair is taking him to Skewel. Skewel. He's taking him to Skewel.
1: Uh, Muda throws him over in the corner, uh, but he does this little flip thing and he flips over the ropes, lands on the apron, goes over to the other side, um, and brings down the big elbow on the Muda. Um, the crowd stands up. When Flair starts to attempt the figure four, but Hart jumps in, the bell rings, and the ref tries to raise Rick's hand, but Flair sort of swats him away, just kind of slides out of the ring, goes right for Hart, and locks the figure four on Hart on the Absolutely. floor. Yes.
2: Actually, wasn't that was it Hart or was it the 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 dragon?
1: Oh, it
3: was
2: Master? the Dragon
1: Master. Oh, that yeah. he got, the dragon Master
3: okay.
2: that he got after yeah. on the floor. Yeah.
3: Easy
0: but, mistake to make because they're yeah. both bald
3: they and look, they look exactly somewhat portly.
2: So I thought it was Gary Hart at first. Too. The Dragon I, um, Master was one of the lamest characters of all time. I think so. So cheesy.
1: Kevin and Jr. start losing, and they're screaming like he's gonna break his leg. He's gonna break his leg. <laughs> um. Muda saves him with a uh, red spray to Rick's face and then here comes Buzz Sawyer <laughs> out of yeah. literally out of nowhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he
1: is. it was just like, What?
2: And boy, that first <laughs> shot, that shot that he, he hit drops into Rick was
1: the rough. <laughs>
2: That first shot he hit Rick with was some bullshit. I was like <laughs> I was like, Man, if I was Rick, I would have driven him out of the territory. <laughs> he hits the man he hits Rick right in the back of the neck. Like yeah. as hard as he can, it was like mm. I'm like, Jesus.
1: So then they pull um Sawyer and Muda pull Flare up into the ring, um and do like a suplex on him. And then Sawyer splashes and Muda follows up with a moonsault. So they're just Beautiful. beating beating his ass here. Um and then <laughs> Buzz counts three as Muda covers Flair. <laughs> so that was fun. The the ending was chaos. Uh Flair wins. Yeah. And uh I just really I loved this match. Like, it – Muda had just – he has, like I said, this sort of confidence that it just – he never seems phased really, by any of this stuff. Like, I don't know. I I was just really impressed with how he hung with Flair and the chemistry that he and – Muda and Sting maybe lacked. He finds here with Flair. I thought they had – more chemistry. I mean, maybe him and Steam get better over their series, but I was way more into this pairing. You know, you guys seemed pretty excited when I picked it. So I, I think it's one, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Do people watch this often? I mean, I know they can't find it, but is it uh, regarded? I didn't know it
2: existed. I, I didn't know it existed either. I've never so seen it's a it.
1: bit of a gem. So I was yeah. excited. I was excited for that aspect of it too. And, um, to see a super awesome performance by Muda. What do you think, Tim?
0: Uh, I, I like this match a lot. And again, I had always wondered, um, whether Muda and Flair had a singles match because they did feud when, um, Muda got involved in Flair's feud with, with Terry Funk and then Flair and Sting teamed up and that's sort of the, you get some power tag matches, um, you know that fall of '89 at, uh, you know the one clash and and at uh, Halloween Havoc, those are yes. a pair of really cool tag matches. Yeah, yeah, I almost
2: take both of those actually.
0: Yeah, I, I I took a look at both of those as well. Yeah,
1: me too.
2: Um, I love that we all watched the same matches for this. All,
0: also, this episode, also, but,
2: also, Halloween Havoc would have had the double uh, the double usage of the Great Muda saving mm-hmm. everyone's life by putting the fire out
3: <laughs> with his mist.
2: Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Um, there's something to be said for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always wondered, like, I mean, you could really transition very easily into a singles feud between Muda and Flair, so did, <laughs> they must have had a singles match at some point along the way, and, I mean, I know that they, all, all four guys in the stupid fucking Iron Man tournament at K '89 had matches, but... The Flair Muda portion of that is literally like two minutes. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, I mean, that barely even counts. Um, and I know it's not hard to find these things out today. I just, I don't know. I guess I'd never really taken the time to look and sure enough, here's this nice little hidden gem of a match sitting out there. WCW world championship wrestling from, from, uh, Late 89, good TV, good little TV match here. Um, and it gave me pretty much exactly what I wanted from these two. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree that the chemistry between them is pretty much off the charts. Um, very interesting that on commentary, I think it's Sullivan in particular who's emphasizing, uh, what a mistake it is for, for Muda to try to hang with Flair on the mat. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You know, stick to your strikes, your kicks. Um, what brought you to the dance, pal? How are you going to, Hey, gonna to go toe to toe with with Rick Flair one of the all-time great clinicians out here but sure enough he does like if mm. anything he's um, he's got to getting Flair rattled in the early goings of this match and it's Flair who has to fire up in his comeback Jenny like you mentioned um, and sort of resort to more of a brawling style before he gains an advantage. Uh, so I kind of really like that role reversal between mm-hmm. the two of them. Uh, the flare chops are really on point in this yep. match. Yeah. They sound like gunshots. I mean, oh, just, yeah, they're brutal. Great stuff there. Just the acoustics and, you know, that, those old, um, studio, <laughs> TV studio wrestling.
2: Absolutely. Um, they're,
0: they're, I mean, they're just they're amazing. Gunther-like for modern. For oh, modern yeah. Audiences. Gunther-like, yeah. <laughs> Walter-like, if you will. Yep. Uh, Voltar, if, if Rick Flair was, um, several pounds heavier. <laughs> as, as a, uh, proto-German fascist should be. Austrian-German fascist, excuse me. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, this really cool, uh, segmented match that tells a, a really concise story. The commentary does let it down a little bit. Um, this is JR and his ultra-nerdy, just call-the-moves mode, which I've (laughs) never liked from him. Um, Sullivan is, you know, on color, I I mean, doesn't add a whole lot, so they don't exactly complement each other is the point. Um, But for a match that has, like, a non-finish here, it still kind of leaves you satisfied, you know, Mm -hmm. with uh, Muda getting his heat back um, after the DQ, going over on flair, so you want to see what's next for these two, right? And uh I, I definitely wanted, you know, like another follow-up in some form or fashion to this, which I guess we don't really get unless stupid Stark at eighty nine counts
2: as a blow off. But yeah, yeah. So this whatever. this is this is where all of my listening to Grilling Jr comes in handy because JR has told a lot of stories about Muda from this era. And uh, the as you as many of our listeners may remember from prior shows, WCW at this time had a booking committee and yeah. uh, it was a very, ex- uh, very large booking committee that consisted of such individuals as Rick Flair, Jim Cornette, Jim Ross, Kevin Sullivan, Eddie Gilbert, I believe Paulie dangerously might've been on it. I'm not sure. Um, it was, I think uh, George Scott was still around doing stuff. It was, it was a significant amount of people on this booking committee and, what J.R. says is that he and uh one or two others on the committee, I think Michael Hayes was in there too, but I don't know what his stance was on this. JR said he and maybe one or two others in the committee wanted a big push for Muda. Like they wanted Muda to be the world champion, actually. Uh or at least to be in pay per view world title matches with Ric Flair. And they believed that Muda could get over as a babyface, uh, big time. However, uh Apparently, Gary Hart. This is according to Jr. Gary Hart at that time did not want Muda to turn babyface because that was the reason Gary Hart was on TV was because of the great Muda. Because obviously, you know Buzz Sawyer and uh, Dragon Master or whatever were not going to be getting TV time without Muda. So Gary Hart got in uh, the booking committee's ears and told them, "No, this won't work. He won't work as a babyface because." American audiences are not going to cheer a babyface that can't speak English. Mm. So as a result, they killed the babyface idea, and as a result, they killed the main event idea because they, they wanted Flair to turn to set up his match with Sting, and the whole thing got killed, and then Muda got – Muda ended up getting pissed off and going back to Japan, and and uh, that was pretty much the, the end of Muda as a main event Potential WCW attraction. Wow. Hmm. Well, well, then I don't think, that's the. I don't think
1: Hart was wrong about that. <laughs>
2: I, I, I understand where he was coming from, but it, some of the matches we didn't pick for the show. But like, Muda was getting he was getting some crowd support. For instance, there's a there is a, uh, a I think it's a six man tag. Tim, you may remember the match I'm talking about. That's the J tags against the Horsemen. But it's the night mm-hmm. that the Horsemen turned on Sting. Yeah. And uh-huh. because they turned on Sting, the crowd has completely turned on Flair and the Horsemen. And now they're cheering Muda like he's the biggest babyface in the company in this match. Like every time he tags in, he's getting this monster reaction and Muda chants. And then uh, in some of the 92 matches I was watching, the crowd there in center stage is chanting for Muda throughout the match. So it's like I think th- I think he could've, it could have worked if they had tried it. I just think they were, they were not eager to try things that they weren't certain were going to work. Right. And, and, and also it would have helped them out when Sting got hurt because then they wouldn't have had to uh, turn Luger and mm. up, upset their apple cart, so to speak. So, I what if? Think, yeah, right.
0: Yeah. What if? Um, that is an interesting what if. Like if any company seemed to have the willingness to, give it a go with the international stars, so to speak. Um, it was kind of WCW in the early 90s. Think of how, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I know it's not a good match, but think of what a showcase uh, Muda and Shono got at, like, that one start. I mean, it's it's a terribly boring match, but it goes on for a long time. And it's like, to give them that kind of... Um, just ring time uh, to just two Japanese stars um, I think the fans deserve a better match, but it, it kind
2: of says something that they put him out there right and he got a lot of support. I mean he was getting chance throughout that. He wrestled three times that night and got huge chance each time and I think Bill Watts as despite his reputation, might have been willing to give that a try. Uh, of all, of course, he was the one that was closest to JR people. as well. Yeah, but I it just doesn't feel like they ever even came close to doing that in his other runs. Not '89 would have been the closest, but like, yeah, yeah. it just uh, it it wasn't really in the in the cards because they they didn't want to give that a shot. But I, I and maybe I, that I, idea was too radical for 1989, but for Jim
0: by '92. Yeah, really. By 92 by, by the 92, the more more progressive era under Bill Watts. <laughs> under Bill Watts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh,
2: the, <laughs> <a crazy> social <laughs> social justice warrior, Bill. Watts. <laughs> yeah. Real
0: quick,
3: Watts.
2: real quick, I'll relay one story from the Foley podcast. Oh, yeah. So, so they had a uh, 90 this is 92 and Watts had come in and they're getting close to the holiday season and you know, Watts was just uh, a a taskmaster. He would find them. He started finding all of them for showing up late. And to him, his late was five minutes early. If you weren't five minutes early, you were late and what you were asshole. fine. So anyway, they have this big meeting, and they're, And the other thing was everybody was expected to stay for the entire show. You had to stay until the entire show was over, and then everybody left at the same time. And so they're having one of these meetings, and I can't remember who it was. It may have been Barry Wyndham. Foley said – raised his hand in the meeting and said, uh, listen, uh, you know – I understand that, you know, we have a rule that we all have to stay for the whole match. But, you know, the holidays are coming up. We've got a big storm coming through this weekend. Uh, would it be okay if, if those of us that, you know, when we get done with our matches, we go ahead and, and hit the road uh, since we've got Christmas coming up? And uh, Bill Watts says, yeah, well, it's a tough business on families. All right, let's go. Okay.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. What a dick.
1: <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs>
0: All right, let's go.
2: No.
1: Get your ass in the road. <laughs> we need to.
2: We need to get. We need to get in there and do some work. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but yeah, Muda, uh, Muda. was awesome, and I think could have been a, a big main event attraction at that time had they had they given the, the the old the old college try. Well, it all worked out in the end. You know, he had a great career in Japan mm-hmm. and WCW, uh did fine, I suppose. And uh it all worked out. But it is fun to play what if or
0: what if, as J.R. <laughs> might call it. On but time. yeah, check oh, out this match if, if you guys sure. haven't seen it. It's um it's a cool like twenty minute match, maybe, but doesn't doesn't feel long at all. Mm-hmm. Um really flies by. And again, even with the kind of non finish, it, it works very well uh for the story that they're Telling and and that they get across very effectively. Um, it, it did oh, feel like an
2: appetizer for something that could have come later on paper. Yeah, it, yeah. it kind of did. Or, or in a clash uh, or something.
0: I did have written down Sullivan had one funny line on commentary when uh, apparently JR is talking up like he has his own sort of version of the WCW hotline,
2: I guess. Oh, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep.
0: And he's like, oh, well, you know, you can call late at night, You know, make sure you got your parents' permission, da da da. And solving goes, you know, I I called it one time, Jr. And uh, I'll tell you, I was thrilled. And I was thrilled, and I was even more thrilled. And then I lost. And then interest. I lost
2: interest. <laughs> <laughs> and Jr. Just Jr. Just and says, "I've heard that a few times."
0: Well, that's happened to me a time or two. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Apparently, uh, the, yeah. the commentary sometimes does uh bring it down, but then sometimes. I it's Kevin
0: Sullivan, and I don't care. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan is uh confusing a nine hundred number with uh, WCW hotline. As <laughs> you do. Yeah.
2: Well I try to give all my listeners that experience, quite frankly. <laughs> oh. Wow. All right,
1: um so oh, I also, just
2: wanna say I just wanna say I just yeah. wanna say I loved working with Muda. I loved it. <laughs> He would, he would spit in my face. You know, I'd say, hey, do it harder. <laughs> I want more of it. Spit spit more. The more you spit, the better you get inside. Anyway, but I'd, t- I'd take him out on the town, and he was handsome. The girls loved him. I had no problems with him. It wasn't like trying to go out with Gary Hart. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Gross. Rick's uh, last match should have been
2: against Muda. I
1: oh,
3: completely also, agree.
1: Damn. I completely
2: agree. Shit. He could have – then Then Rick wouldn't have had to bleed. Real. Rick, Rick wouldn't have had to bleed. He could just kind of spit the red mist all over his face.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, yes, I, I like this match too. I, I didn't love it, but I liked it. And uh, it, just because I felt like they, they had more in them. Uh, but it was certainly – what I loved about it is the fact that I didn't know it existed. And like yep. you, Tim, I didn't think these two ever had a singles match on television uh, against each other. So the fact that it even existed was phenomenal. Um so I it just makes me angry that we didn't get any more than we because that I mean that two minutes on pay per view really mm-hmm. like that iron don't even start on that Iron Man tournament, but nonetheless, um it, it is a very good match nonetheless and a great T V match and uh Flair Flair shines in it as always in that era and uh is just fun to watch constantly. I'm not quite the biggest fan of the JTEC shenanigans, but Um, but I I feel like Gary Hart's one of those wrestling managers that I have to admit, I've just never gotten a lot of people love Gary Hart and Mm -hmm. and put him in high esteem. I've never gotten it. I've, I've never like, I've never seen a Gary Hart promo where I'm like, boy, that just, that was Bobby Heenan-esque or that was Jim Cornette-esque. It's just, you know, he's just kind of there and I don't know, he doesn't do anything for me.
1: Agreed. I wondered why he was with Muda and then I was like, eh. It's
0: he's kinda he's kinda like great value Paul Ellering to me. Yes. That's a
2: great comparison. Both bald.
0: Yeah, and just sort of like think they, they're like that manager that thinks they're more cerebral than they really are. Um whereas like Paul Ellering can kinda pull that off, but at the same time it's like, alright, whatever, dude. Um but yeah, with, with Gary Hart, it's, you just kind of, kind of want him to shut up. Yes. Uh,
1: also so, shout but, uh, out to Chad Campbell because he's the one who showed me that match.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Oh, I cool. would not you have known nice this match Jeff. existed if yeah. not. So good stuff. Excellent. Excellent.
0: All right. So we got one more Just send us home here. And I'll tell you, uh, we pretty much wrapped up Muda's 89 run here yeah. in the promotion. He is back for a cup of coffee in ninety. Well, I guess more than a cup of coffee in ninety-two. Um, working some decent TV matches. Of course, he uh, he will win the WCW championship uh, from Shono. The in, the um, in, is it, was that the NWA
2: title or was that the WCW international? I mean,
0: I NBA believe that was the the NWA excuse me, the NWA yeah. championship technically. Um and dropped that belt to belt again, sorry. He drops that <laughs> belt to our our last subject on last uh, yeah, last episode of Talking W C W Barrett Wyndham. Dropped it to Wyndham, um, kinda bummed around. And I guess ninety four he's he's done for for a good little bit after uh, kind of decent pay-per-view outing with Steve Austin at, um, God, Spring Stampede. Yeah, Spring Stampede. Yep. In 94. So we're not going to see, um, too much of Muda again after that. Although in the NWO era, the, <laughs> the international expansion of this faction will take them to the land of the rising sun. Where we will have now representing NWO Japan, uh, former opponents, the Great Muda and Masahiro Chono.
3: Boo, <laughs> boo,
0: um, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> And
2: representing the awesome <laughs> the awesome NWO B team theme. <laughs> <as well>. Amazing. <laughs> I I that, see, no lie, when I, I watched this match like a week and a half ago when i was trying to come up with ideas for the show and and i watched this match and that was the first thing that like stood out to me is god dang that music rules yeah
0: it's it's uh, they don't get the the a team treatment from uh from the nwo theme they they've got the they got the b team music which which is still great in its own right just lets you know where you stand in the pecking order but uh <laughs> these two in 1997 at the bash at the beach are going to be taking on the Steiner Brothers. So, oh
3: yeah, oh.
0: oh boy, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'll I'll freely admit I'm cheating a little bit with this match because it's far more of a Steiner Brothers match than it is
2: a a NWO Japan or even a <laughs> great Tim, If match. you learn nothing about me through this show, I am I never going to complain about a Steiner Brothers match being added to the show right. ever. No matter what, especially the especially.
0: Especially a Steiner's match beating up two Japanese opponents.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. Um <laughs>
0: not that there's me? any prejudice in that. <laughs> but they're they're real good. They're just real good.
1: Is it just me or the Steiners like even more huge than normal? Or maybe I just haven't seen Oh them no, no.
2: they're yeah. real huge. Yeah, especially Scott. This was yes. Scott. Scott was about one year away from Big Papa Pump. So yeah. he's getting he's getting um I don't want to cast any aspersions here. He's getting uh he, he's hitting the gym a lot more in this right. year. Oh yeah. And he's bulking sure. up.
3: Yeah.
2: Um he's, he's not quite He's not qu- right.
3: He's yeah, not exploding
2: he's been- out of his skin yet, but he's he's about to be there. Well, <laughs> and, by no, no, and, and importantly, he's not yet demanding somebody to give him the fucking mic.
3: <laughs> but that's coming.
0: that's that's also, yeah, we're getting there here in 97 this summer. Um we start off with an awesome, badass entrance. Uh, you know, NWO Japan coming out again to the, the B-team theme. Muto with his most striking outfit yet, if I do say so mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. This, this massive skull helmet with horns and a, and a serpent adorning his, his shoulders, almost like it's a, a scarf.
1: I could live and, without the snake,
0: but oh, I love the well. It's more of a dragon, I think, than a snake. Although there's there's know. a fine line. the dragon <laughs> between the two. It's uh, I, I love that. How uh, sweet course, is that NWO face paint? The NWO oh, face paint. Oh my snake. god, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of NWO Randy Savage, where you are sacrificing some of the Randy Savage like individuality by by putting him in all black and white exclusively but man did he make that work and and made it work for him um you know this is Muta kind of doing the same thing so he looks like none other very very striking here Uh, but speaking of striking uh it's NWO Japan off to a hot start they be clovering on the Steiners in the ring they they send them to the outside but then foolishly play to the crowd with their backs turned to the Steiners. <laughs> Who would do this? <laughs> <Because>
3: foolishly?
0: <laughs> the Steiners get right back in there uh, on the top rope, just waiting for for their opponents to turn around, hit them with double clotheslines off the top. And that's our official start to the match. Um, it's going to be Scott locking it up against Muda. And that story is really one of strength versus speed. We talked about how jacked out of his mind Scott Steiner is at this point. But Muda is still moving at a nice clip. I mean, I know people are, are saying, you know, his knees are starting to go. He's, he's not his old self anymore. But, I mean, I wouldn't say 97 Muda is, is what we would consider over the hill just yet. Like he's, No, he's no. Still, he, to
2: me, he still moves like
0: Muda at that
2: point. Yeah, he he's still
0: moving like himself. Um. So Muto's able to fend Scott off with a series of kicks, um, but Scott quickly puts a stop to that with a huge, ha! Ha! <laughs> double underhook powerbomb. I always love he does the delay before hitting it.
3: <laughs>
0: um follows that up with a gorilla press slam. Muto's like, fuck this, bails out of the ring. Uh, so both guys
2: then tag out. We're gonna reset here, Um cause... I believe, I believe that's my favorite part of the match. It's the one thing i that may be my favorite part of the match, where Muda rolls out of the ring. and He stands there and he literally scratches his head like a like a lost yeah. child. <laughs> he really does. He's like,
0: I love it. He's, <laughs> like <laughs>
3: huh? I he's like, <laughs> huh? What have I like, <laughs> gotten awesome here? We can shoot here.
0: <laughs> um, so we're gonna go back to the match here with, with Chono and uh, Rick Steiner. Um, I mean, Chono can't get anything going either, uh, but eventually he does gouge the eyes for the unfair advantage and puts the dog face gremlin down with a Mafia kick. It ain't got nothing to do with the Mafia. should have been a Yakuza kick. Um, but it's called <laughs> Mafia kick on commentary. Uh, Rick is going to come right back with a uh, – uh, he blocks, basically, no cells. a, a Chono shoulder block, shoulder tackle, um, and hits that sweet twisting suplex that he does, catching the guy in midair. Um, just signature Rick Steiner offense. And we go right back to Scott and Muta now. So this is like the second time this match has just reset. Been pretty much all Steiners with NWO Japan getting a couple of, couple of little hope spots here. Um Terno slips in. And just in just, to, just
2: how beautiful yeah. are
0: those suplexes, by the way? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, we're going to see a bevy of suples in this match before all is said and done. Um, but Choto Gets in the ring, cuts Scott off with an electric chair drop, and that finally allows Muda to take over. We get the handspring back elbow, uh, a big, like, face crusher again, uh, just a real fundamental move that, when Muda does it, looks way cool, Um, and then follows up with that snap elbow drop, all in really rapid succession here. Um, The two NWO guys are setting up now for a double-team maneuver. Not sure exactly what they're going for, but, uh, Scott mule kicks Muda and then dumps Chono with a top rope belly to belly. Again, not something you see a lot in 1997. Uh, Rick gets back in there, destroys both guys with Steiner lines, um, and then hits a pair of overhead belly to belly suplexes, goes up to the top rope, um, brings it down on Muda with that, that diving bulldog. Uh, again, more of that just, Signature Steiner offense looks so cool. Uh, Scott then out of the corner hits a side belly to belly on Muda. Muda's just eating shit in this match. Um, goes to the middle rope, uh, but Chono nails Scott from behind and that allows Muda to capitalize with a top rope Frankensteiner. Uh, looks really sick. Like he, you can tell he gets it in tight. Like it's not. Amazing. goosey. I always hate when guys do this Frankensteiner yep. and like you could tell they, yep. they barely they barely get the legs around and I, they kinda I, slip.
2: Yes. I saw it, one I saw one on, on I think it was on Dynamite a few weeks ago. One of the uh one of the luchador wrestlers did one where he like ran and jumped over the top rope but like he didn't even lock his legs at all. Like he mm-hmm. just he rested his legs on the shoulder and then the opponent still did the the front flip out of it, and I'm like, "Come on, man! Muda showed you how yeah, it's done. Ray showed you how it's done. Come on!" Exactly. Um, Dragon screw leg
0: whip to Rick Steiner from Great Muda. Another just move that I, I such a basic thing that I, I love seeing when it's executed mm-hmm. um, with that snap the way Muda does it. Um, but then uh, Muda's going to go to the well once too often here. Again, <laughs> tries for that handspring back elbow. And then probably like my spot of the match here, Rick catches Muda around the waist before he can connect with the elbow, rotates, and then hits a sick German suplex out yep. of the move. Um, so great. So amidst all this chaos, uh, Scott then, uh, whips Muda across the ring and catches, catches him with a traditional Frankensteiner, you know, Scott Steiner style Frankensteiner. Um, <laughs> Rick is apparently the legal man. I've kind of lost track of of who's who at this point. Um and he he goes for the pin um you know at Scott's urging, but uh Chono make, Yanks Mickey J out of position for that pinfall. Um so the Steiners then absolutely destroy Muda with what can only be described as a doomsday DDT. <laughs> um which seems like it would be disastrous, uh, and even attempting, let alone execution, but comes off beautifully. Muto's absolutely dead, and if Rick gets the <laughs> pen. Um, Chono has, has no answer for this. Uh, <laughs>
2: absolutely. Chono just says they're watching it. Yeah. yeah. He really
0: does. <laughs> it's great. Maybe he's like, you know what? I'm tired of getting suplexed. You <laughs> know what? I, I've gotten dumped on my head one time too many. <laughs> And I mean, they show, and they show the replay, this, this, uh, double decker DDT. You would think that would be business exposing, but if anything, in slow motion, it looks even better. Mm -hmm. Um, could not have been pulled off more brilliantly. And, um, yeah, an absolute dominant performance by the Steiners. I, I don't think they necessarily made these guys look like total jobbers, but, um,
2: no, because Moody got his offense in. Mm-hmm. He
0: got he got some of his shit in, but you could be forgiven for thinking, boy, they they just beat the shit out of these <laughs> these poor Japanese <laughs> dudes who were just trying to, you know, collect a paycheck. Other, than, other <laughs> than the mafia kick, Chono did nothing in this match. Yep. No, he Chono really didn't do anything. But I mean, I don't know. I kind of think that's par for the course. He's he plays his role very well as kind of the big stiff of this team. Yeah. Um, I mean that's. I, granted I'm, I'm not a big Shino aficionado. I've not seen a ton of his body of work, but what I have seen of his has always been pretty much this, you know, that's his deal. But, um, yeah, Muda sort of, um, I mean, I, I know he, he gets the shit whipped out of him here, but he's sort of the glue that makes this thing work. If mm-hmm. I can try to turn this into more of a <laughs> Muda performance, um, sells his ass off. He he takes a lot of really stiff offense that many competitors would not be game for, certainly against the Steiners given their reputation. But, uh, Muda's, Muda's a pro and we get a hell of a match. This is one I had kind of forgotten existed, but was reminded of. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a nice little dandy of a match on this pay-per-view. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, and I have to tell you, I, um, it was between this and a 92 WCW Saturday night match, uh, Muda versus Brad Armstrong, two out of three falls, which <laughs> actually, I know sounds absurd, but is kind of an interesting match. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: That's actually the match that made me pick Muda when we did the last show. I, I just watched it just for really? fun randomly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll get on that. Oh. The, I'll address that in a moment, but yeah, no, Very the, good. the, So unrelated, I couldn't in good
0: conscience leave this on the table. I
2: just no, this match was so. When neither of y'all picked it, I was like, "I we've got to do this." I was gonna pick this match if 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 I didn't pick the eighty nine one because this I I watched this totally caught me off guard by the way because I don't remember this match at all, and I watched it the other night like last weekend, and I was like. This is awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. This is just – and I've, I've realized it. I've just realized it. We all – you know how your tastes change as you get older? Like when you're a kid, maybe you don't like apples, and you get older, and you're like, hey, I like apples now or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. not that I never – I never dislike. I always liked the Steiners. I always liked the Steiners a lot. My favorite tag team as a kid was the Rockers. Now, in my old age, I and through the process of doing our podcast, our – are the Steiner brothers my favorite tag team now of all time? I, I think same, they are. Right? I just don't think there's any other like if if my happy place in wrestling, I think if I just want to smile watching a wrestling match, I'll just put on a Steiners match against literally anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except Dr. Death and Gordy. But <laughs> well
0: anyone else. Anyone else who will eat suplexes for fifteen minutes to an
2: hour? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I can watch it all day long and never get sick of it. Yeah. It just brings such a big stupid grin to my face.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I was going to say, usually in our picks, you know, when we get to Tim's pick, I'm like, this is a Tim pick. I was going to say, this is a Greg pick. (laughs) This is a Greg
0: pick. This is very much a Greg pick. Um, If I had done the Brad match, that would have very much been a Tim pick. And I was real close to pulling the trigger on it. But I said, man, I ain't doing a fucking Brad Armstrong (laughs) match when you get the Steiner brothers and, and uh NWO Japan out here. Come on.
1: Come on now. But yeah, like, and I had watched this earlier, uh, in the week for research too, and I had passed it because, like you said, it's more of a signers match, I think, but I liked mm-hmm. how you framed it because Muda was the heart, basically, of, because the signers are just animals. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, you don't get a lot of emotion, well, anger, but, you know, you don't, <laughs> You know, like you know, anger is
2: an emotion. Yeah,
1: but. besides that, <laughs> but the, if you want a real angry match, then the signers are the heart of that. But Amuda held it together, and and he just, you know, b- bless him. Um, I felt bad. It's it it's. He still had that confidence that I like about him and like y'all you know, like y'all said, he still moves like Muda. But yeah, by the end it was like, Oh, this poor guy <laughs> like especially that finisher. Um uh, yeah. oh that my was God. absolutely insane. But he took it like a champ too. Like he just waited for somebody to come lay on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean who listen who <laughs> takes getting dropped on their head with more enthusiasm than a, a Japanese work rate guy right. in the nineties, right?
3: right. Yep. And, Great
0: point. It's just – no no one is happier to get a, a CTE uh, in a just basic tag team match than than a Japanese wrestler in 1997. And that's just, why
2: the Steiners get off on it. That's what the, I, the Steiners – they, they, like they love wrestling the Japanese guy The guys.
0: only other time I've seen them do that finish was against another Japanese team.
2: And I yeah, think
0: I
3: think it, a was at, it was a,
2: a match that we talked about, wasn't we it? We did From, at, the, um, at the at Wrestle War 92 against Fujinami yeah, and uh-huh. Iazuka. And his young boy. Uh-huh. Yep, mm-hmm. his young boy. And the, the poor young boy got the piss beat out of him in
1: that match. Yes, yes. he did. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and you know, if you're in the ring with the signers and you're going to be, be stepping off those Frankensteiners and they look like that, then you're probably going to get your ass beat <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: at least Muda had the courtesy to call it a frankensteiner not like mike Tanay calling it the hurricane rana yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a frankensteiner <laughs> call it a hurricane rana again you're
1: not gonna and, like it and and he keeps that snap you know th- that we like throughout the whole match. like even and the desperation elbow that he throws um towards the end like yep. Uh, it, it still had that that good um, impact to it, but yeah, this it's it's fine. I'll tell you what, like
0: now, is there a lot of selling going on in this? No, match? No. no, there's no. Um, do I care? Know. No, not no. a bit. Yeah.
1: And why did why did uh, Chono distract the ref at the <laughs> end? I was very confused well, by
0: that. Well, he was breaking up. Um, uh a pin cuz i think it was uh Scott who at the the Frankenstein on Muta even before the big finish so he already had the match won and, and it right. was that pin that Chono was breaking up um but then they just took Muta into the corner and did that Tuesday DDT for good measure and you know i don't know where Chono was out to lunch um while they were setting up for that
3: Fucking with the ref, I'm like, what are but you doing still,
0: there? Uh, yeah, I guess he was still getting chastised by uh by old Mickey Mickey
2: J. J. Yep. But um, and then
0: and then
3: once know. he
2: saw the cover happening, he was just frozen in fear. Mm-hmm. He was just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: He yeah. saw that move on Muto. like, he saw that bad. move and
2: said, "I don't want none of that." Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Is NWO him. Japan really worth this? <laughs> <That's
1: right. laughs>
0: I saved my guy once, and that was a mistake. So.
2: <laughs>
1: I ain't dying at the Steiners' hands.
2: No, I ain't dying <laughs> for this night. This, this was just so fun. This was oh, so it fun. Really I, is. I allowed myself to be brainwashed at one point <laughs> in the late 90s, early 2000s by Scott Keith talking about how bad the Steiners were by this point, and they weren't. They were still the Steiners. They're still awesome. Oh, yeah. They're they were awesome. still able to, to suplex people and, and have fun. I mean, we did that fire now, and ice bashy, match. they were but yeah. Yeah, we did Amen. that fire and ice match from 96 or whatever, and, and I'm like – I think in the original review he did for it, Scott Keith always buried it, so I always thought, oh, that match must have sucked. And then I watched oh, that it, and I'm like, is awesome. that match is amazing. <laughs> 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 anyway, the starters are great, That's just, but Muda Muda is definitely what makes this match work because – Again, like I mentioned earlier, Chono does next to nothing in this entire match. Yeah. So Muda is the one that's having to take the vast majority of the bumps. He's the one that's doing all the offense for them except for the mafia kick. Um, he's the one that the crowd kind of knows who he is, and he has that interesting way of moving and all that. But I'm not knocking Chono necessarily. I guess I am in a little way, but he. I, I'm sure Chono had a lot of great matches and stuff in Japan. But his, his American stuff never really uh, stood out to me at all. But his, no, uh, not but Muda quite the opposite. Muda's just jumps off the screen and he did have some believable offense. That Frankenstein off top rope, a thing of beauty. Like, it, yeah. just fantastic. So I, I'm so glad you picked this, Tim. Uh, I loved the match, uh, when I came across it. It took me completely off guard because I wouldn't have expected it to be that good. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it, not the best necessarily Muda showcase, but I still think he, put in a great performance um, in the context of getting dumped on his head repeatedly. God bless him.
1: Agreed. So do we want to talk any honorable mentions?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. This, I, I, I I mentioned that the Tim's match was one of my, one of my almost, the Brad Armstrong match is actually what started uh, my mood of fascination recently because um, I was just to pass the time on like a, random weekday I, I put on the 1992 wcw saturday nights when they had switched to a studio it's very weird it's just a studio talk show format interspersed with wrestling matches and uh <laughs> any anyhow every every main event was two out of three falls we've done the steve austin and barry windham match uh, on this very show uh, it was two out of three falls one of them anyway uh, well, anyway, Muda and Brad Armstrong have a main event, uh, and I, I still don't understand the point of it because it, Muda didn't come in, to my knowledge, Tim, for a big run in 92 at that point. This is early 92. and right. This was Brad, like in
0: yeah. like May. May. Early April or May, May is when it was taped at least, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so uh, I, I don't know why they had the match, but they have the match, and the crowd – Knows who Muda is. Uh, they're into Muda. They're uh, obviously Brad Armstrong had some fans there as well, and they have. Uh, you know, Brad's an incredible technician, and uh, it's 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 not going to be everybody's cup of tea, uh, which is one of the reasons I didn't pick it for the show because I didn't I didn't necessarily know if you guys would be in the mood to watch a what it's about what almost a thirty minute match right? It's a pretty damn long. It's long, match.
3: yeah. It's uh, a good.
0: It's at least twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, and, and it's a lot of mat wrestling, a lot of chain wrestling, yep. a lot of headlocks and arm bars and hammer locks and all that stuff. I liked it though. I mean, I, I will acknowledge that it probably doesn't get into the same gear that you would expect from a Brad Armstrong and great moto match, but the, I do think they work really hard. They're sweating their, their butts off in this match. And it's also the, the, the wrestling itself looks tight, looks good. Um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the mat sequences, the, the, the clever finishes for the falls, uh, uh, it, it's two straight falls, but they're done in, in a very cool fashion. Like I think so. Um, I, I really actually enjoyed the match a lot and I would recommend if you're, if you're somebody who's got patience and you're a fan of, of Matt wrestling, I would recommend giving it a shot. Uh, it is on Peacock and, uh, uh I think it's a, uh, I think it's a good match. Did you like it,
3: Tim?
0: Yeah. Um, pretty much echoing your same thoughts. It's a, it's what I think of as a, um, like a wrestler's wrestling match, if, if right. that makes any sense. I, I think, like, if you're a, a journeyman wrestler, or even if you're kind of maybe new to the profession and, and you're still learning the ropes, like, this is the type of match they would maybe show you and be like, this is a real just how you work a match and sustain interest um, for an extended period of time. You know, this is not just a quick, you know, five-minute in and out tv match this this goes over you know 25 minutes two falls um and yet they're not doing anything too too flashy um it is very mat based very technical but it's not a lot of rest holds nothing really overstays its welcome so so it doesn't wear on you it doesn't it doesn't feel boring where you're sitting there going, Oh my God, not another chin lock, not another sleeper. Right. Oh, back to the face lock. There's not a lot of that nonsense. It's just, and each they're working guy for just, the holds. Yeah, They're working, they're working every hold, um, pretty much for the entirety of the match. And it's sort of one of those, it's, it can be frustrating because they never really get out of second gear, which, which you, you're hoping and expecting in this type of match and it kind of just doesn't happen. It It's sort of paced the same way throughout the entirety with a couple of little um, quick, like, do-si-do type exchanges where, you know, they're whipping across the ring, and then they settle back into whatever they were doing on the mat kind of thing. So that's not going to be to all taste, but, but again, I don't think it's as boring as some of those just rest-hold city shitty matches you see from from guys who are clearly just trying to stall and kill time <laughs> or or uh you know catch their breath these guys don't need to get the catch coliseum their breath, video right?
2: exclusive <laughs> match
0: the coliseum video exclusive the dark match from in your house whatever like you know these guys they they've got the cardio they they do not need to catch their breath they they know what they're doing out there yeah i, I think it's a very believable In the context of professional wrestling type of match. So not to all taste, but if you're, if you're kind of down for something a little bit different, um, potentially a little bit challenging, I would say check it out. Um, again, I I thought I was going to pick the match. So I do have extensive notes on it, but (laughs) you know, that, that is what it is. Uh, and apparently the date was the air date. So on the network, on Peacock, we'll say uh, May thirtieth, nineteen ninety-two. I'm sure it was taped much, much earlier than that. So, well, as yeah. you
2: know, it's a tough business on family, so they got to do a lot
3: of, <laughs> a lot of taping. <laughs> yes. uh, uh,
1: I, I, I watched the uh, the Austin match from Spring Stampede yes. before, Ah, yeah. And I watched a tag match with Vampiro from two thousand.
2: Oh my God! Yeah. That Luda? Was that era? Luda? And Muda and Vampiro versus Sting and somebody. Uh,
1: yes, yes.
2: Yeah, that
0: that was the, it.
1: Wasn't very impressive.
2: No, no, it the, was.
1: Uh, it was the other guys. The uh, fucking they got like the, the same names. I don't know some team.
2: Insane clown posse. <laughs> uh,
1: Brian Adams. Uh, oh,
2: chronic, chronic. Brian chronic. Adams and Brian That's Clark. The, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh God pulled that out my ass, but, um, <laughs> and, it. and then, um, like the Havoc 89 match.
2: Yeah, Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. The Thunderdome. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, surprisingly, like, a, I don't know, it's like a hodgepodge of things. It me. sure is. A uh, Danny
2: hodgepodge.
3: <laughs> I wondered,
0: uh, I definitely um, did wonder if anyone dipped into the Dark Carnival era of, Great yep. Muda in yep. ninety nine and two thousand. It's uh, it wasn't
1: the best.
0: No, it's, it's a lot of really short matches, is what it
2: is. Um, yeah, which is probably for the best. But uh,
0: I remember like, them hyping up
1: for
2: Nitro one time in two thousand. Sting versus the Great Muda for the first time on WCW television, and like I can't remember what they said since like nineteen ninety one. So it'd been almost a decade since they'd wrestled on television. I was so hyped because that was one of my favorite childhood rivalries. I was in high school at the time, and I remember tuning in. Uh That was a rare night when I was going to watch Nitro Live because I wanted to see that match. And the match started. It lasts like two minutes, and they do some sort of DQ with Vampiro running in and blood falling from the ceiling and all kinds of shit. And I was like – I was so mad. I was so mad that night. But <laughs> That's I, the process I, of staying mad, watching those yeah. 2000 Nitro. Yeah, I, I, I had another, another few honorable mention matches that I very strongly considered, uh, both tag matches. Uh, one was, uh, from the clash that took place between Bash 89 and Havoc 89. Um, and it was, uh, the J-Tex of Dirty Dick Slater, one of the great nicknames yeah. in wrestling. Dirty Dick Slater and, uh, the great Muda versus Sting and Ric Flair. This match is awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, there it's nothing but action the whole way through. Just balls to the wall action. Flair and Sting beating the hell out of the heels. The heels getting good heat on both Flair and Sting at different times. Rick Flair is just a madman in this match. He's so mad at Terry Funk, and uh, of course it has. It's just a just a great match, honestly. Like they hit each other hard. Sting's Sting and Muda do all the athletic stuff. Slater and Flair hit each other harder than humans should hit each other. And, uh, it's just wonderful to watch. The ending, of course, is famous with Terry Funk coming out and wrapping a plastic bag around Ric Flair's face, oh trying to God. smother him. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just incredible chaos. Part of me wishes I'd picked it, but I love the match I did pick. But I, 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 this match, you have to go. If you're, if you're curious about the Great Muda, you need to watch this tag match. Uh, it's just awesome. And then, uh, the other tag match is from 92. From Starcade '92, a show in which Great Muda works three times on the show, mm-hmm. uh, and this is part of Battle Bowl, the Urethral Lottery. Yeah, um, in Previous which subject of
3: this podcast? Yes,
2: and in which uh, Brian Pillman and uh, Too Cold Scorpio team up against Barry Hyndman, who is a frequent topic on our show, and the Great mm-hmm. Muda. And boy, you want to talk about a crowd of all the shows we talked about? This is the hottest Muda crowd because that crowd is chanting for Muda the entire time. Every time he does anything, they explode, uh, and, and it's a it's an awesome match. Like that awesome might be pushing it. But it's a very good match, and um, it, it's it's again a showcase for Muda. Wyndham and Pillman do good work. Too Cold does all of his flying stuff that he gets in. Uh, Muda is just sensational though, and he gets this huge pop for the moon salt that he wins with, and uh, uh, it's it's a fun time, a uh, fun time at the office, and uh, I would also recommend that. It's not quite as good as the Flair and Slater match, but I would very strongly recommend folks to check this out too. It's a little bit of a hidden gem on a much maligned show that is Starcade '92. It's probably. Yeah. It may if not the second, then the third best match on that card. Obviously, you got Sting and Vader on that card, which is amazing. And then yeah. there might have been one other match that was good, and there's some just absolute clunkers, one of which involved Muda on that show. So Yeah,
0: uh, there's so much battle bullshit on that show that it's, yeah. it's tough. Um, but that is one of the rare, decent Battle Bowl tag matches. Urethral lottery tag matches, I guess I should say. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Not to be confused with the battle ba- bowl, uh, battle royal. <laughs>
2: yes. Battle bell. I,
1: <laughs> I will say that I feel like Muda is one of the ones that I super, I mean, I always enjoy like the, the like watching part of picking these matches, but I think his is like near the top. Uh, of everybody that we've done, just because I'd never really been exposed to him. So a lot of it was super brand new for me and uh, just another chance to, like, fall in love with another wrestler. And so it it was a great pick. Like, I really appreciate this pick.
0: Oh, awesome. Thanks. I'm glad. Always love when that happens.
1: Me too. Yeah,
2: that's fantastic. I I was hoping that would happen because uh, it's just that, you know, I think a lot of times Muda – A lot of modern fans don't really know much about him anyway, but then, like, I feel like his WCW run gets maligned a little bit unfairly because people are like, oh, Muda was lazy when he wrestled America and all this crap. And I'm like, no, he was playing a character, and he played that character very, very well and uh, left an impression on a lot – on a generation of kids, I can say for sure, because I was one of them, uh, that, like, you remember the great Muda in a way that you don't remember – Fujinami, or some of the other guys Mm -hmm. that would come over from New Japan, because they were just wrestlers. You know, they were good wrestlers, but they were just wrestlers. Muda was more than a wrestler. He was a superhero, really, or a supervillain, depending on how you look at it.
1: Alright. Excellent. I think it's my turn.
0: Uh, Well, it's not Greg's, because this was Uh, his episode, and it's not mine, because I had last one.
1: Alright. There's two that I'm really struggling to choose from, and... Mm. I was really leaning towards one.
2: Is it the Booty Man?
1: No, the, he he was my third, but oh. um,
0: is it Nick Patrick?
1: Oh God! If I ever, I, I will quit the show if if any one of you ever <laughs> picks Nick Patrick. So, but I want to do something um different because we've been doing a lot of like res, like single wrestlers here for a minute, so. I want to do Halloween Havoc matches.
0: Oh, okay. okay. All Halloween and Havoc matches.
1: We're, we're coming into fall, so I figure it's we it are. timely.
0: It gives us time in case we don't have our shit together and the show is right. late.
1: Right. <laughs>
3: See? Very um, good not thinking. that that would ever happen to right. us. No. Right.
0: And so if it, even if it is in September when it drops, that's still, you know, so as far as I'm concerned, Halloween season starts... In mid-August, so.
1: Agreed. Um, so, and, you know, we might get, you know, some quirky stuff, um, Mm -hmm. and some real, um, themed matches. There are some certainly quirky matches in Halloween Havoc history. Sure.
2: Chamber of Horrors, Mm -hmm. Thunderdome, uh, Hulk Hogan killing the giant by throwing yes. him off the top of a building. Spoiler. Yes, uh, discussed previously on this podcast. Yeah. The, the, the mummy the mummy gyrating against Hulk Hogan. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the oh, yetay I should say. The, yeah. the, the yetay There's just all kinds of, there's all kinds of unique things in Halloween Havoc history.
1: Yeah, so have fun researching that one, too. Greg, you got any podcasts going on?
2: No, no, no podcast. But what I do have is a Twitter account where people can go and read my tweets about things. Uh, it is uh, at gphillips 8652 G Phillips 8652. I, uh, I, I mostly mostly talk on there about wrestling these days, but occasionally other things will seep in. Uh, sometimes I'll see a pun that I like and I'll retweet it. And then sometimes I'll I'll see something that I won't understand and I'll retweet that too because I want to sound smart and seem cool to people. So wow. That's a good uh admission. Yeah, sometimes I'll do that. And then uh and then other times I do nothing at all, so which is appropriate for my real life. So it's really a good a good microcosm of who I am as a person. So go to go to go to that Twitter website and find my little thing there that I mentioned. Uh as I often say I have Facebook, but you're not welcome there if I don't know you. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, um, what else do I have going on? Nothing of note, nothing of note, no wrestling shows planned soon to attend. I've, I've exhausted my wrestling budget probably for the year. Um, I, I bought a, I bought a, uh, an Adam Cole shirt at a, uh, at a AEW show back earlier this right. year, earlier in the year. And, uh, I had a bad experience with it though, because I bought the shirt and, uh, I've never had this experience with an AEW shirt ever. Except until this one. It shrunk to a degree that I've never seen a grown adult shirt shrink to.
1: Oh no. the Ash Cole effect.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> Line right. of the it's show. No. Line the Bay of Bay the Bay show right shirt. there.
1: <laughs> they, they infused the shirt with Adam Cole. Yes. with right.
2: baby chromosomes. God damn it. I was not <laughs> expecting that. Oh, that was good. That was a good one. Oh, man. So, it shrunk and I got fatter with
3: the bad water. combination.
2: Yeah. So, anyways, if anybody has a a, a a properly fitted 2X Adam culture if they want to <laughs> send to me in the mail, I'll take it.
0: But, that they've never watched.
2: Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> can't be <laughs> oh, Other now,
2: than that, I got nothing.
1: So, Jim, I know you got uh, podcasts.
0: Yeah, I've got some podcasts. I do another wrestling podcast. I do that with you, Jenny. And our friend uh, Jacob Williams. It's called PTV NXT, and you can find it right here on Place V Nation Wrestling. So that's a, um, you know, uh, normally <laughs> a monthly or or semi monthly or not semi monthly, bi monthly, mm-hmm. if you will, podcast. We try to keep it monthly, but you know, again, we don't always have our shit together. But anyway, chronicling NXT. From the network era, that is 2014 through, uh, you know, the start of like, um, I'll say NXT 2.0 for the sake of argument. Nice. Uh, but we're still in the very early goings, uh, of the year 2015. Um, so, you know, I, I guess not too early. We just, our last episode was on, uh, uh, the takeover, right? It was. I believe so. At the time that you're hearing this anyway. Um, but anyway, just check it. Check that out if you're an NXT fan. Uh, again, here on Place to be Nation Wrestling, uh, we have an affiliate podcast network called the North South Connection where I don't really have any much of a regular presence these days. However, I do have a spinoff show that started on the North South Connection. It is called 9021 No So a chronological rewatch of the original Beverly Hills, 90210. That's me and JT Rizzero and a rotating guest each time out. Uh, that has its own podcast feed. So all you have to do in your preferred podcaster app, search 9021 so and you will, su- you will find it and subscribe. And that's the only show you'll get there. makes it very easy. Um, so we're enjoying that we've started just recently season two of nine oh two one o um as of this recording uh you can look for very soon um episode three of season two, 90210, with uh with our guest um who i will not reveal you will tune in and find out <laughs> uh you can also follow me on twitter i am at psych six eight c y k e six eight on the Twitter machine, where I'm not super active, but perhaps I will be one day again. Jenny, anything I'm forgetting?
1: I don't think so. Um, I think you covered it all. Uh, As for me, I am every Wednesday (laughs) on the North-South Connection with the Jenny Physician, so that's a couple of different shows. You heard about Pluto, uh, the newest one, is an episode with Chad Campbell where we watch Jeopardy so that was fun. I love and, it. Um and then for I'll Drive In my newest one of that uh, features Jake Williams where we watch Child's Play, a very very good horror movie. If you haven't seen it in a minute it's on Amazon Prime. And it holds up. It's really good. And also have the Extreme 3-Way Dance on the North-South Connection, going through the history of ECW, and um, we are almost to barely legal. Um, The first, I don't know, big thing that they do, although they've done big things for three years. So, um, listen to that.
2: I'll never forget Paul E.'s commercial uh, voice for advertising that pay-per-view before it came out, because they bought Advertising Time on Raw, and You'd see the commercial, and he'd be like, I, I can't remember the exact verb, but it would be something you're like, There are going to be things that happen on this show that are so controversial, they're barely legal. <laughs> it's
1: a pretty good Heyman guy got there. Yeah, thanks. yeah And he was excellent on the, because uh, we just covered the invasion of Raw when they came on Hats and had some Oh, Bass. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was on commentary with Vincent King, and it was epic. He was insanely good. Um, on that, so I enjoyed that. Anyway, I could talk for 800 gears about ECW, so I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm on Twitter at <laughs> JennyPosition, and thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for Halloween Havoc.